Welcome to Labor Pains Podcast, brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman that is very passionate and on a mission to help women and men that are struggling with infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I am here to help share stories of the struggles that couples have gone through to inspire and give you hope to continue on your journey to have a family to love. I have talked to so many men and women that have all told me the same thing, that they all felt very, very alone as they were going through the struggles and the grief. I want you to know that you are not alone and I am here to connect you to others to give you hope beyond the struggles and the grief. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm very, very excited to have a guest on today that I personally have not met. We've talked, um, I think a couple times, maybe just once on the phone, but she was introduced to me by someone uh, that I know, an acquaintance of mine. And she has a very heartfelt um, story um, that I would love for her to share with you. So without further ado, I want to introduce Tamika. Good morning. Hello, Tamika. Good morning. How are you, Teresa? I'm doing well, doing well. And I'm excited that we were able to finally connect. I know we've talked, gosh, it's been a couple months ago, but I'm sure I'm really, really glad that we finally have been able to connect with our crazy busy schedules, but right. um, Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm excited for you to share more about your story and for me and the listeners to get to know you and hear um, about your story. Um, so without further ado, I would like to just ask the first question, which would be, as you were growing up as a young woman, like all of us, you know, most of us have some dreams and desires of having children. And so I want to just kind of start with that. And you tell us kind of what the plan was as you became, I think when we're really little, we all want to have a baby. You know, but then we get in our teenage years and sometimes that changes and then we get older and it's like, you know, then it's really, you know, we have a desire or we don't have a desire. So kind of tell me, how was that for you? Well, was there a desire for children? Definitely. Yes. For me growing up in a home where I was constantly surrounded by uh, my family, cousins and my sister and aunts and mother and grandmother, uh, great-grandmother and great-great-grandmother, we all lived in the same home. So I would say off the top of my head, it was probably around eight to 10 of us in the same home. Mm. And as a child, for me, I loved it. I, I, I loved the fact that every morning when I woke up, there was going to be someone there to greet me. I could sit and eat uh, breakfast with my great-grandmother. I can then eat my greens with my cornbread using my hands with my great great grandmother and so that gave me that uh, it painted a picture for me that that's what I wanted when I grew up I wanted a big family I wanted eight children yes, oh my goodness I said eight I wanted <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> eight children four boys four girls and as I 
grew into my like I would say late teen to early adulthood, mm-hmm. that changed to six. And then it dwindled down to four. And then I was like, Lord, you know what? If I just have uh, some twins, a set of twins, maybe even two, I'll be satisfied. And that that's where I'm. There you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, so then did you, did you go off to college? You know, did, did you, where did you meet this? I, I know part of the story. Where did you meet this gentleman? Well, my sister and I are five years apart. So her friends are like my brothers and sisters. And so this particular um, guy that I uh, dated off and on for 10 years, who's actually the the father of my children, he was one of my sister and brother-in-laws, who I call brother because I've known them since I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. He was one of their best friends. And so me being younger than them, I was always the little sister that had to hang with my sister because anywhere my sister went, I had to, she had to bring me with her. (laughs) Sure. We've got to stick together. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. So I went from this little annoying sister always around my um, older sister. And then as I began to grow up and get older than that same guy who I've been around since I actually met him when I was 13. So when I turned 18, we started dating and we were just off and on for many years. Okay. The 10 long years of <laughs> off okay. and on situationship. And was 18 the year that uh, you were allowed to date? Just curious. That doesn't I, have anything to do with no, the podcast. Just curious. No, that's, okay. <laughs> that's okay. I honestly believe because my mom never really vocalized when my sister and I could date. However, my sister okay. has dated as early as I can remember. But for me, I wasn't really allowed to date. My mom, if I would say something about a boyfriend, she would just say, oh, I'm a friend. <laughs> like, to this day, I'm 32 years old. She would still say, if I were to bring a guy home that I'm dating, she would still say friend. Oh, her, her little friend. Her little friend. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'm just, I'm the baby. So she just, uh, she just sees me as her baby. I guess. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. I, for, for me and my family was 16. That's why I asked. It was like, oh, no, okay. not till you're 16. But yeah. anyway, so, okay. So on and off in this relationship with this um, friend, little friend, the little friend that you had. Okay. Okay. Was there a plan for uh, a family with this little, Absolutely. this little friend? Absolutely not. So it was, there was no, oh, no okay. about having a family. I believe at that time I was, um, I don't really want to say afraid of commitment, but I just, I liked what we had. It wasn't really demanding. We didn't ask of anything from each other and we just allowed what it was to be. And I believe he was the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had more of a friendship than anything. And so I think that was why we had that comfort with one another to come in and out of each other's lives. So we didn't even have that discussion of we're going to at this time do this and do that and have a family together. We would joke around about, you know, having children, what they would look like and, and so on and so forth. But we never really set in stone okay. what we were going to do or, or have as far as moving along with building our future together. Okay. Okay. But somewhere along the line, you became pregnant. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So tell me about that. So I would say probably in the 10th year, ninth or 10th year, um, I got pregnant and 
I actually found the, the way I found out I was pregnant is just so dramatic, but <laughs> I found out I was pregnant. It wasn't the best news for me. Um, at that time, he and I, uh, we're, we had just entered back into one another's lives and then oops, we get pregnant. And mm-hmm. so he didn't take it well. I didn't take it well. And it was just a big nasty ordeal from there. And, um, yeah. Yeah. How that? <laughs> so, so because it, it was, you had just indicated that it was an ordeal, how you found out, tell us about that. Okay. If, if well, you're open to tell us about that. I am open. It, <laughs> for me, I go, I was completely blindsided. Like you said, like I mentioned, it, it, it threw me off guard when I got the news mm-hmm. because I, that particular day I had scheduled a biopsy at my doctor's office because they thought that they found cancerous cells on my um, cervix. And oh. so I had to go in to have a biopsy done and I took some time off from work. Um, it, it's not a um, too strenuous of a procedure, so you don't have to have a, a, a an extended period of time off, but i believe I may have taken like two or three days off of work. I brought my cousin along with me because after the procedure, they don't recommend that you drive. Mm -hmm. And I arrived, checked in, filled out my paperwork and they called me in the back. And I've had this procedure done before. So I should have known that something was up because the room that they took me to was different from the room that I'm used to. But Uh... of course, into those, those red flags there they uh two nurses guided me into that particular room closed the door and then they started whispering it was like Tamika unfortunately we're not going to be able to do the biopsy today because you're pregnant and they said it like an Oprah Winfrey moment you're pregnant (laughs) (laughs) oh and for me I could no longer hear the room started to spin I I bumped up against the wall slid down the wall opened it like I was so thrown off I, the drama, I was just on a, a hysterical, that's the word I'm looking for. I was on a, another level of hysteria. I was so distraught. I wow. didn't want to the time because I had just made up in my mind that I was done with that particular guy because it just, it's been too long. I was ready to, I'm getting older now. It's, I'm robbing myself of the, what we were allowing each other to do for so many years in and out of each other's lives. I made the decision that I was done. And then I get the news that now I'm pregnant. So, of course, I'm upset. I left without them doing an ultrasound. Um, They didn't want me to drive because I was just that upset. Luckily, my cousin was with me. So she drove me home. I think I slept the rest of the day, and I was just so upset. I tried calling him. He didn't answer. It was then it was downhill from there. Wow. (laughs) About a month or two later, Mm -hmm. I went back to have an ultrasound, and that's when they told me I was about... Um, a month, I believe at that time I was a month pregnant and I was like, oh, so I write it four or five weeks pregnant. And I was just, I was like, are you sure? You know, trying to make sure was that, you know, was that my urine? Was that my test? And like asking all types of yeah. crazy questions. And yep. So was- when you went to the doctor, you were barely pregnant. Mm-hmm barely pregnant. I didn't really have too many symptoms. At that time, I was working out with some of my um, guy friends, one of my closest guy best friends at that time. We were working out and I noticed a few changes with my body, but it was also associated with the workouts and and how hard we were going with our workouts. It matched what I was doing in my life. So there, I didn't really 
notice and I've never been pregnant before so I did not associate it with pregnancy so we were all shocked (laughs) yeah that I was pregnant so how long before you got over the um being shocked and came to the realization that you know and I know this is probably what the realization was that God's given you a gift Mm -hmm. you know Tell me about that. I, I'm not sure if I ever really got over being shocked because shortly okay. after finding out that I was pregnant, probably about a month and a half later, um, I think I may have been right at three months when they scheduled my first ultrasound and I went in to let the doctor check me, make sure everything was well, get me, um, make sure that I was healthy, get prenatal vitamins because remember that first day I just left in denial, so I didn't do anything at all. Sure. And, when they did my ultrasound, that's when I found out that it was twins. So I think, I think the shock, the level of shockness just kept piling on. First being pregnant, then finding out that it's twins. And he actually saw a third something. It was just a little um, speck that he thought was a third baby. So he monitored that for about a month or so. I was like, come on, what is, what is this? Oh my gosh. I think in that moment is when I began to lighten up a little bit more because I've always wanted twins. So I had to giggle. I was like, okay, Lord, really? You know, <laughs> that was a little giggle for me. <laughs> this is how it's going to happen. <laughs> like, this, this is what I'm going to do. But um, yes, I think it got a little bit better to swallow the pill when I heard about it being multiple. So it, I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't a little bit excited about that because that's something that I've already always desired. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, with the situation you were in it, it's totally right. understandable that, you know, it was probably hard to become um, happy or attached or whatever, yeah. when you knew that the relationship was not going to work. Um, so yeah. Okay. So then you went, she found out that there were, there were twins, Mm -hmm. um, got your prenatal vitamins and, and then walk me through the pregnancy. Oh, the pregnancy. My, my. So (laughs) I can't recall a day where I did not find my, my head in a toilet. It was just from the moment (laughs) he said (laughs) that I was pregnant, I just, started showing immediately which that should have been a good cue for me that maybe there was more than one child inside of my belly because I got so big so fast my family was like wow do you have you noticed how big you gotten is it just me and I was like no I don't really see it as much but then my father who lives in at the time I'm from Texas I was still in Texas at the time, I live in Port Arthur. He lives in Houston. So he wanted me to walk him through the process since he wasn't there. So he required pictures all the time. He wanted to see pictures. So luckily, I had those pictures to, to show me, to give me a visual just how big I was getting so quickly. Mm-hmm. And with the bigness that came with, and I was in school full-time, working full-time. So feet swelling, um, all-day sickness, morning sickness. I don't know what that is because I had all-day sickness because <sighs> Girls didn't like anything that I said myself or them. It was just a disaster. And I was like, oh, what is going on? I just, I don't want, I hope that the next pregnancy is what I used to always say, isn't as bad as this when it comes to the sickness. Um, but yes, I was sick my entire time. Wow. 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 But I did have a love for um, a bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream with 
hot fries. And I that, <laughs> that, that was that was the craving, huh? <laughs> that was the crazy craving. I put chocolate syrup on it, and it was I was good to go. Oh my amazing. goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> so you indicated that the girls. So you were pregnant with twin girls. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. And so was the pregnancy besides the morning sickness or all day sickness every day of the pregnancy? Was that it? Or were there some complications other than that? Um, well, um, technically, yes. But uh, Leading up to the day um, that I had the girls, I, there was no other issues. Me carrying them, I didn't have any um any complications, no problems. As I mentioned earlier that I worked full time and went to school full time. I carried them well other than me um, being sick all the time. I couldn't find anything that I could eat that I could keep down. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I didn't have any problems with the girls. Every visit I went to with my doctor, he had no concerns. Everything was fine. Okay, good. And so I know from previously talking to you, the girls came very early. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So walk us through that. How, what, what happened? So the day it happened, it was on a Tuesday, Valentine's Day, actually. And mm-hmm. um, I was scheduled for an ultrasound to find out what the sex of the babies were. And so uh, all I knew at that time is that I was having twins. I just didn't know what I was having. I'd already had one of their names picked out because I've always wanted to name my children, one, my child, (laughs) Avery. I just wanted that name. I didn't care if it was a boy or a girl. I love the name for either. And I had one name. I would just call them baby one and baby two or Avery one and Avery two. That's what my family and friends and I called the children. So I went to the hospital that day because that's where I was scheduled to have uh, my ultrasound. I finished my ultrasound, everything was fine. Everything was nice. And in my pre-registration, the nurse asked me how I was feeling, what was I doing, how was I um, you know, managing with my life. And I told her everything was fine. I, had, I was scheduled to go to work right after that appointment. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, she was like, oh, wow, you're still working full time? And I said, yes. And she already knew that I was going to school. She was like, um, you're a little further in your pregnancy carrying multiples, you can expect that the doctor is going to tell you to start taking it easy because you're, you're doing a lot in your pregnancy and you're already at that time I was um, 26 weeks. You're already further in your pregnancy. So you can expect to get, you know, start slowing down a little bit. So I was like, okay, I had my ultrasound. The nurse was getting ready to turn off the machine when she noticed a little cloudiness um, on the monitor Mm-hmm. She turned to ask me how I was feeling. I told her I was feeling fine. And then she looked at the screen again. So my mom and I are looking at one another like, what's going on? So she asked me again if I was feeling okay. And I was like, yes, is everything okay? She's like, well, sweetie, you're fully dilated. And I was like, what? And she was like, yes. It, and you don't feel anything at all? And I was like, no, not not at all. So she left out of the room and she was gone probably about three to four minutes before she brought in about four other people. Everything happened so quickly that they just had to move fast. So the anesthesiologist came in, um, another nurse, a doctor, and um, someone else to shave me. Like everyone was just pulling clothes off and trying to explain to me as calmly as they could that they needed to move quickly because 
you know, I'm fully dilated, something's not right. You know, and in order to save all three of us, they have to move quickly. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. while one's shaving me, one's starting the IV, one's taking my clothes off, one's over there talking to my mom and the original nurse is just trying to keep me calm and explain to me that um, one of the babies placenta separated from my walls and they need to move quickly to try to save all of us. And so at this point, I'm beginning to lose it felt like I was beginning to lose my hearing. Like I couldn't understand for in that moment or everyone sounds so far away what was going on because everything happened so quickly. Sure. And by the time they pulled me, um, pushed me to the back, my doctor was already there prepped and ready. He's talking to me, telling me we're going to do this together. No worries. And the last thing I remember is nine. He told me to count back from 10. I made it to nine and I woke up and um, after I woke up, I heard the nurse speaking to my mom, telling her how the first baby didn't make it. So I didn't get the opportunity to, you know, they didn't actually tell me I overheard it. And so, um, I can remember crying. And then I can remember one of my close friends being in the room, um, with me. And then, um, I lost consciousness again. And then by the time I came back to, I had my, like my bestest, best friend there, and she was crying. I, I was trying to talk to her. I cried. And then I can remember going back out again. And then by the time I came back to, I was in a different room. So all of those little moments were in small little increments of what I can remember. But it happened so quickly from me feeling perfectly fine to having two babies at 26 weeks. And they were unable to save Avery, which was my oldest. And then, um, of course, I did lose both children um as to why i have uh, started the nonprofit, but i'm moving ahead I just, but, uh the my youngest aubrey she survived for two days um and she was such a little fighter but mm-hmm. uh, uh, they were unfortunately unable to save her but the staff everyone involved was amazing nurses that didn't even tend to Avery and Arby came in to share their condolences, to pray with me, to, I've received so many hugs from so many strangers because I know that it touched everyone. I didn't realize that while I was in that moment, but I do mm-hmm. now. Wow. Fast, but yeah. So they put you out. So was it a C-section? I had Did to they have just... an emergency C-section. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure yeah. I wanted to be clear yes. on that. So because it, the placenta had removed the least and all that, I'm sure that was the biggest thing to get. It's with, yeah. Cause that can, yeah, I've heard, you know, yeah. my doctor explained to me that if I had not, if I would have left that day, then I, all three of us could have died. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, God had his hands <laughs> on, on you. Um, that day for sure that, um, you were, you were in the right place when all of that happened. Yep. So, wow. Well, some of us wish that, um, you know, we wouldn't even know that we were fully dilated, (laughs) you know, (laughs) boom, like, okay, let's go, you know, but, um, (laughs) wow. Wow. So Avery and Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said Aubrey lived two days. Yes. And was she just not? She was just way too little. Way too little. Yep. That they just couldn't get her. They, 
Yep. And then in her last day, um, I had a conversation with um, her doctor and the staff in the NICU, and they said at this point they're just trying to keep her as comfortable as possible because her vocal cords weren't developed yet, so they didn't know how much pain she was in, and so they were just doing everything that they could to keep her comfortable until whatever, you know, until she, yeah, yeah. passed. There was nothing else that they could do at that point. Sure. Did Avery, was she born alive and didn't make it? Was her the one that the placenta had released or do you know? So Avery was, um, her placenta separated from my wall and she survived for 30 minutes, I was told. So she was born alive, but they were unable to um, save her. Okay. In the time that um, Avery made it. Okay. Wow. So I'm sure that was um, a very difficult time, you know, grieving the loss of one and trying to hold on and fight for the other. I mean, where were your emotions during during the, that time? I'm sure uh, like all over the place. But. I, all, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly believe I, I have um, and I still struggle with um, having a detachment from my emotions. So. Um, and the time that I, I woke up to hear that Avery passed and then, um, being moved to my room for that, those days that I was there and immediately the staff keeping me updated about Aubrey, my priority was Aubrey. I'm like, I'm trying to have moments for Avery, which they brought her in the room with me. They tried therapeutic, um, methods to help, uh, Aubrey survive by, bringing Avery in the room with Aubrey, placing them in the same mm. um, incubator, keeping them close together. So they tried. I love that they even thought of that and, and tried every way possible. But I am saying freshly stitched. I'm walking down the hall, get into the NICU. They're like, let us get you a wheelchair. I, I had no time because I wanted to, what do we need to do for Aubrey? So I think I was more exhausted mentally and emotionally that I didn't have um, an opportunity to really process Avery in that moment. And so it it probably wasn't until the 17th, because that's the the day after um, Aubrey passed that um, I was discharged that same day. She passed, but they told me to just rest. They, They discharged me probably around 11 that morning. I didn't leave until like six that night. They just allowed me to sleep. Just get some rest. You've, you've had none. Just take some time. So by the time I made it home that next morning, I think is when I started to feel it and your body. Oh my goodness. But our bodies are, it's something because now my body is producing milk and it's processing as if I've had children, but I don't have children. Mm. So I went through a whole thing with that. And it just me already not dealing with emotions and being, slapped in the face with all of these emotions all at the same time it was very difficult for me to process Mm. yeah wow do they help with you with that with the milk coming in to try to get that to stop I I cannot remember what they gave me and then there were different little remedies that I uh, family and friends told me to try to help because it, it was painful Mm-hmm. Um, for a little while for me to try to get comfortable, but I can't remember what they sure. hospital mm-hmm. gave, but they do, they do have something. Yeah. I thought I had, had heard that, 
that they mm-hmm. that they they help with that you know yeah. to to stop the milk and dry up the milk or whatever yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I assume you were given time with the girls um you had said they Avery was there and they put her with Aubrey but did you get time to kind of connect and hold the girls yes did yes. they allow so they- that they did allow that before they uh, called for um, whichever funeral home mm-hmm. I was going to send Avery to. They allowed me to keep her in the room for mostly the rest of that first day. I was able to keep her and my family and close friends that were there um, had time to spend with her. And uh, then they asked that they could take her back with Aubrey to help Aubrey as well. And so after I I'm pretty sure we had her for a few hours in the room with us. And then later that night, they came back in to get her to put her back with um, Aubrey. Yeah. So yes, they definitely gave me time. And, and as much time as I needed with Aubrey, they were um, pulling. They still had her connected to so many tubes. But um, and this little lady, <laughs> she had a personality like, like immediately. She was the only baby. I, the first day I made it to the uh, NICU. <laughs> They explained to me because there were other babies in the room and every other child had little plastic wrapped around their little bodies and different um, tubes and different things on them. But my child (laughs) did not have any of that on her. So they explained to me how, you know, she was pulling it off and didn't want to have it on her. So they just took it off. I was like, wow, she has that must have been the one that was hurting me this whole time. <laughs> a lot of pain. So I was like, that must have been her that gave me the pain. She's just a little diva. She didn't want to be touched. She didn't want the plastic yeah. on her. She kept pulling her tubes out. So I thought that that was a, a little cute, funny moment when they she I loved how they shared stories with me about what she would do. And she got upset um, the first, that second day, she was upset when Avery was laying next to her. She kept moving. And when they pick Avery up, she would stop. So it was like, I think she was a little upset when, um, Avery was next to her. I was like, she has such a personality. <laughs> <laughs> she can't oh my God. Oh. It was definitely the diva. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> gosh. It's that's, <laughs> oh my goodness. I thought that was just too precious, but they helped. They allowed us to hold her as much as we wanted. Um, They had a neat little setup to where they could place all the tubes, like a attach it to clips, so that they can keep everything together and not pull anything off of her, and still allow us to do, um, you know, allow her to feel us and talk to her because she could hear us. And we every method that they could think of, they they used Mm -hmm. that to help save her. Oh wow in such a short little life but to have mm-hmm. amazing stories of her yeah well both of them <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing mm-hmm. so I'm sure it was very difficult then going home and then trying to uh, plan a funeral and burial and mm-hmm. stuff for the girls um Anything that you can remember that you would like to share with the audience about that? Or did someone else handle all that for you? Or now the, the father, was he at all around for this or he was still angry or. I I think 
um, because we did reach out to him to let him know. He didn't answer, so I had to text him to let him know that they were taking the girls. Um, they're coming early. Something's wrong. Um, and I think for him, I can't speak for him, but we did sure, have sure. a conversation after the after the fact, and I think that for him, um, it was difficult for him to process it also because he said that uh, my family was um, angry with him, so he didn't feel comfortable going to the hospital, which they were angry. They were angry with him, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I don't believe that my family would have robbed him of the opportunity to be there because it, they were his, and I know for sure that they would have given him that safe space to, to be there. My uh, the clo- One of my closest best friends tried to go by his home just to give him reassurance if, that if you want we can ask everyone to leave just so you can have that time, but, you know, take that time for them because we don't know if they'll make it at this point. Um, she, I had just made it to the hospital and she was headed there. So they hadn't even taken the girls. Neither both were still alive. So she was trying to encourage him and uplift him to just do the right thing. But that, that still didn't work. So okay. he didn't make it to the, he didn't go to the hospital. He did not attend or he or his family did not attend the funeral and, um, what I would like to say to the audience is that even if, if you've gone through a situation similar to mine or have to, uh, Lord forbid, even prepare funeral arrangements for your children, um, allow your family and friends the, the opportunity to help because some people deal with grief in many different ways. It looks so different for people and it can come out as, um, anger, uh, shame, guilt, all different emotions can flood um, into the atmosphere. And so I am very fortunate to have family and friends that took care of everything. My sister who, uh, my sister Kier, who you know, of course, uh-huh. she flew down and she, she, her, she and my mom played a significant role in the entire process of calling the funeral home, making sure that at the time I was still employed with Wells Fargo. So making sure that all the dots were um, dotted the other I's were dotted the T's were crossed with my insurance and my leave they gave me a little bit more time because of me losing the girls they they did everything and I didn't have to do anything and so I would encourage any families that um, are currently grieving the loss of children or even going through the process of trying to muster it just trying to digest what's happening to um allow your loved ones around you to love on you Mm. accept that love and don't try to carry all of it on your own it is not healthy and you have the love around you just just let them love on you because this is an experience that many of us have never experienced before so we may not know how to handle it deal with it i'm still seven years later still working through and grieving <laughs> through the process. Grief doesn't have an expiration date on it. No. Mm-mm. No. Well, good advice. Yeah. Like you said, it's it's not something that really probably any of your family or, or friends ever went through. So it's a, a new experience for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so just do it together. Um, mm-hmm. as best you can, as best you can navigate it, you know, Absolutely. so that's great, great mm-hmm. advice. So, um, 
so you just alluded to this earlier and um that with the loss of the girls that you have um started a nonprofit and and that's what I was going to say a lot of times people want to do something to remember and keep um their legacy um alive you know in some way and so you started a nonprofit you indicated um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you do? Let's talk about that first, and then we'll go more into the nonprofit. Is there something okay. you do um, yearly to remember the girls? Do you do anything at Christmas, their birthdays? What do you do to remember the girls, if we anything? We um, celebrate their birthday still. Um, okay. um, as I mentioned earlier, that their birthday is on Valentine's Day, so... Uh, we celebrate them still. I think now in these last three years, my family has celebrated me more. Um, just making sure that I'm healthy um, mentally, emotionally, uh, loving on me, catering to me. I, if I even try to pick up anything, they're like, oh, I have it. And, you know, and I don't oh. think it's um, too much sympathy like I used to feel because I don't um, accept l- love and you know support as um healthily as I should I'm just gonna make that word up but okay <laughs> these last these last years that they have um as we're celebrating the girls they're really tending to me and I love that about their love for me and so um yes I think it's healthy to remember them don't just shy it away or push it away like like I said I, I do have some really good memories and moments that the nurses share with me about the girls and Aubrey's personality and Avery's sweetness even just looking at her it seemed like she was just going to be the sweet one you know with twins they have their own personalities yes like she was the sweet one and I have those fond memories and then they also make keepsake boxes for me so I uh, also revisit those keepsake boxes is to smell their clothes and to look at their pictures that they encouraged me to take. And I'm so grateful for them encouraging me to take pictures and just having those memories. That's awesome. Every year we do something for them. Good. Good. That's, that's awesome. I, and I think every family has their kind of way to remember their child. And it might just be the couple individually, just them remembering Mm -hmm. Or um, some do, you know, all kinds of things to celebrate um, and remember um, those children. But the biggest thing that you have done um, is you've started a nonprofit. So let's talk about that. We've got a little more time. So share with us why you did that and what it's all about. Okay, so my why, which I think is so important that we never forget our why, is because when I went through what I went through, which is losing two children, my first children ever, never uh, having them before, the feeling that I felt, that lostness, that outer body experience, I felt like I was literally just floating over my body watching myself and go through what I went through. I wanted to do something to ease the pain. For individuals, and I don't care how big or small, I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to have that because, yes, I was grateful to have family and friends around me, but what about those individuals that don't have that? Mm-hmm. So that's where that's, that was my why. That's where it stemmed from. 
And so Avery and Aubrey's way uh, wants to be there for those families who are grieving the loss of children who were born alive and died uh, within that time frame for a neonatal death. And what we want to do is just go in and pay bills for families because my family did that for me. But again, with my why, I want to do that for others. Not only will we provide that financial support, but we also want to be there for them um, spiritually. If they need to find a church home to connect to or emotionally, mentally, which is so important. If they need counselors, they need to speak with someone, um, they need that uh, added support. We want to connect them with as many resources as we possibly can to reassure them that they're not alone. Even though life doesn't stop, whatever we can do to help them just sit and have that moment. Because I felt like <laughs> sometimes it's hard to articulate in words the feelings that I felt then. But just something as simple as the light bill is coming up the days, you know, the in days. Mm-hmm. Or I have to pay this, I have to pay that. They don't know that I just lost two children and they need their bills. They need their money to pay whatever bill it is that you you owe them. And so something as simple as that, but when you're going through something, that doesn't mean anything to you. So whatever Avery and Arby's Way can do to just give you that time to take a pause out of life from all of the adult stuff, let us do that while you have your moment. That's awesome. That is awesome. So I know, and I know that, Avery and Aubrey's Way, your nonprofit, is fairly new. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes. So I think the last time we talked, you were kind of just still at the very beginning stages of forming it. So is it all underway now? And Yes. So the last time that we spoke, um, everything was finished um, other than the website, if I'm not mistaken, is what we were working on. And um, actually obtaining our 501c3, I think is also something that we spoke about. Okay. And so as of January of this year, we have finally received our 501c3. Our website is complete. And now because of COVID, we have to get creative in our fundraising initiatives. But that's where we are now. Um, we have been receiving donations um, And we're still trying to get creative as to ways that we can uh, fundraise and still social distance. And so that's where we are now. Okay, good. (laughs) Good. And what is the website for the listeners? Um, So you can reach out to us anyway, um, especially on our website, which is www.averyandaubreysway.com. A-V-E-R-Y, spell out and, A-N-D, and Aubrey, A-U-B-R-E-Y-S, way, W-M-A-Y, dot org. Okay. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes if people didn't catch that so that they have that. So that's awesome. Oh, I am, I am just in awe at what you, (laughs) what you have done, what you've created um, to remember the girls and to help and give back, um, you know, in this way. Well, and like you said, you know, this is the spiritual, the emotional, the mental support is, is huge, um, as people are going through things and just to not have to worry about that electric bill, that water bill, you know, Mm -hmm. to focus on you 
um, getting better, getting, going through um, the grief. Nobody, like you said earlier, it doesn't bypass anyone. It's, it's, and however long, you know, grief is forever, you know, there's always that loss. It never leaves you for sure. So how can, um, I guess the listeners, um, help support you, um, I guess just reaching out to you on the website and, okay. And you're going to eventually put on there some, uh, fundraising ideas. There's lots out there to, you know, even in these, these difficult times of not, you know, with social distancing, there's definitely ways to raise funds. So is there a, is there a link on there just for even for people to donate if they'd like to donate? Yes, there is a link on the website to uh, donate. You, um, if there are any listeners that would like to email or call us for additional information, um, we can also be contacted via email at aaw at averyandaubreysway.org. Our business phone uh, number is 314-328-0959. And on our website, if you'd like to uh, volunteer or contact us, there's also a section there. Uh, we are always looking for helpful hands. If you are a certified counselor, if you are... Um, affiliated with uh, churches, um, please get in contact with us. We're still trying to connect with clinics and hospitals as well so that we can be a resource for them. I awesome. want it as easy as possible for people to reach out to us. And there are not any, there's no strenuous um, hurdles to jump in order to qualify. We do service um, lower to middle class uh, families and um, the qualifications, I'll say, are just so minimum, just as, as, as so small. I don't want it to be difficult for anyone to get help. So don't get discouraged about um, feeling like you can't get help or even if you don't have the, the, the mindset to even reach out or ask someone for help. Someone who is in your circle, your family, your friend or coworker, they can reach out on your behalf as well. So don't feel like you have to do it because you don't if you have someone that's there please reach out if you know someone that needs help to get them help awesome awesome and I just wanted to the so the listeners know when you indicated um you know if you want to help in any way physically that Mm -hmm. right now this is in the St. Louis area correct uh, well, the O'Fallon, Illinois, is where we are uh, physically, but we are servicing all of the local areas, uh, Shiloh, Fallon, Swansea. We do. We can come over to the uh, St. Louis area as well. Missouri. Okay. Yep. Okay. We are on the Illinois side. Okay. So just so people have an understanding. So if you're listening somewhere else in the country, it's near St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But on the Illinois side of the river is where you guys um, are located. Uh, and hopefully in time, you can even branch out and be nationwide. Night. You know, it That's... sounds like an amazing um, <laughs> a goal, you know. Absolutely. But you you got to start where you are. You know, where you're mm-hmm. at is where, where most nonprofits start is and just service where they are. Mm-hmm. 
So that's awesome. I I just am like I said before in awe of what you what you have created, what you have done. Um and you know, it's it wasn't I'm sure easy nor and it took time. You know, you indicated it's been 7 years. Mm-hmm. Um so it's taken time to figure that out. So no reason even if you as the for the listeners you've lost a child and you want to do something. There's no timeline on that, you know. Do what you feel is best and, and right for you, you know, yes. to remember your child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you would love any of them to team up with you, you know, to help. <laughs> yes, I have come across so many um, helpful resources, so many nonprofits that was once where I am now. Mm-hmm. And they were eager to share advice point me in the right direction you Teresa just mm-hmm. just alone yourself opened up so many um windows of opportunity for me to even have a discussion with nonprofits that um knows exactly what I went through even just trying to get my 501c3 and then after that having a sigh of relief and then like huh what's next now I've never done this before so yeah others that's gone through it it gives you um relief that you know I'm not alone it'll happen it's gonna take baby steps you know I always think big but I have to start smaller don't get overwhelmed and just do what's what you do the best that you can do yeah (laughs) that's for you yeah do you whatever you is (laughs) yeah never forget your why if you always remember your why I think it'll be very difficult for you to get lost and anything that's going on, if you remember your why, what was your reason for doing whatever it is you're doing? I have my reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that I will never forget. And it'll keep me going so hard. I'm so passionate about it because I remember my why. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, as we conclude, I just want to kind of give it right back to you. If there's anything else that you'd like to share um, that has been part of your journey through all of this or any words of inspiration, you've given so many words of inspiration already to the listeners. But if there's anything else that you would like to share um, that we've not talked about or just want to reiterate, um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that. Um, if there are any listeners out there for sure that had um, anything that they've experienced in their lives similar to mine, such as the the story behind the pregnancy, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed to share your story regardless of how um, you conceived. It may not have fit the picture that you created in your mind when you were younger of how things would, would uh, develop in your adult life. If they don't match up, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. It's okay to not... Um, exceed your own expectations or not even meet them but know that it's not the end of the world things happen you pick your you know pick up your bootstraps and strap them back up and keep moving and also just don't don't like I mentioned don't let that shame or guilt or embarrassment um, dictate the rest of your life I am a believer so I do believe that there are no um, coincidences I do believe that everything happens for a reason and so take that and turn it into something beautiful. My um, unfortunate loss of my children, I've had so many blessings um, stem from that, that was birthed out of that. 
and you just have to look at the perspective. It's all about how you see things. You can see it as half full or half empty with the glasses. Right. I think that's all I have. I thank you so much for Teresa for having me on your podcast. This is my first and I'm so cheesy excited over here. (laughs) (laughs) Just sharing my story. And I think that you're just such a blessing for me to, Oh, really quick. The, how I met Teresa, three different people sent me the exact same screenshot of her post of her looking for individuals to be on her podcast. And the first time I saw it, I thought it was interesting. The second time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to check this out. And then the third, and it was all in one week. The third time <laughs> I saw it, I was like, I've got to know this lady. Who is she? Why does yeah. why she keep coming my way? So don't don't take lightly of those types of um those signs I take it as like you know for for whatever reason this person crossed my path for a reason and I need to figure out why pray yeah. about why we need to know each other yeah well and I think we've already figured out a couple of those you know yeah. one being the podcast <laughs> one me helping you get connected to other local nonprofits to help you through those steps um, yeah. that maybe somebody that's just a, a step or two ahead and that's with anything you know, mm-hmm. starting a nonprofit, losing someone or, or really anything, you know, just find that support and someone that's, you know, just a couple steps ahead of you. They can help and help you navigate whatever it is that you're you're going through. Absolutely. So, yeah, I cannot wait and we'll have to figure out a time soon, especially since the weathers were coming into fall and yes. we can go sit outside and, you know, grab a coffee and actually physically meet each other. I would love yes. to do that. Love to Absolutely. do that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, too, I haven't been on your website for um, Avery and Aubrey's way. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to check that out and yes, see if I can get connected with you through that as well. We can speak a bit of that. Please do. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I will let you go. We'll conclude. But thank you so, so much. I know all of your words of encouragement um, through your story um, it is going to help so many people and encourage so many people and give them hope and know that we always say that they're not alone through this journey to reach out. Let's support each other through this. Yes. Alrighty. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks for listening. Listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Tamika, I first want to thank you so much for sharing your story of hope and encouragement for all of our listeners. You are such a huge inspiration to all women to endure what you did, such heartache, but to come out the other side with a passionate why to start a nonprofit for your daughters. It's just amazing, such an amazing woman and and story. And for the listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, If Tamika gave you some inspiration, please share and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review. But most importantly, as always, share this podcast with a person that you know that it can help. If you are interested in connecting with Tamika, she had given her website, which is the best, also her email and phone number to connect with her 
for her nonprofits, and that is in the show notes. Um, you can also reach out to me via email, which is Teresa, and that's T E R E S A dot women connect 2019 at gmail.com. Or for sure, reach out and connect via Facebook through Women Connect and Support. Of course, all this information, again, is in the show notes. I just want to always share and acknowledge women that are sharing their story. They are so powerful and will always inspire others to give them hope. And to always know that you are not alone on this journey. And we are here to connect and to give you support through this most difficult time of your life.